Welcome to What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor. This podcast is provided by the Wellness and Health Action Team, also known as WHAT, from Portland State University's Center for Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC. We're located in the old tutoring center suite on the third floor of the University Center building on campus. Our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health-related topics in a way that will be accessible for our non-traditional campus. My name is Grace, and my pronouns are she, her. My name is Quinn, and my pronouns are he, him. And my name is Julie, and my pronouns are she, her. We're all members of the Wellness and Health Action Team, and we'll be the hosts for this podcast, so let's get into it. All right. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Grace. How are you today? Good morning, Julie. I'm good. Um, excited about the podcast topic today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And I'm also very excited for you to discuss <laughs> about today's episode. So today, Grace will be the lead of this episode. Why don't we get us started, Grace? Okay. So today we're going to be talking about the sex and chocolate event that What and Illuminate put on every year. So um, on February 9th, which is next week on Wednesday from 5.30 to 7 p.m., we will be holding a Zoom sex and chocolate panel. And um, for those of you who don't know, sex and chocolate is just an evening of it's like we'll have like four panelists and we're going to just be talking about anything and everything related to sexual health, sexuality and consent. Um, and the event itself is fully on Zoom, but the day of the event will be in Smith showing off different raffle prizes. So y'all should come by and say hello to us. We're going to have um, we'll be doing the raffle like on Zoom later that evening, but you can come up to the table and like kind of see what we have to offer. So we're going to have different menstrual cups, different types of lube, flashlights, vibrators, just to name a few. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to have a fun time. Um, And today on the podcast, we're going to be answering some questions from past year's events, um, just to give y'all a little bit of insight into what the sex and chocolate panel event looks like. Um, So yeah, we'll get started uh, with the first question. So what are some fun ways to spice up sex during virtual times? So Everyone knows we're in a pandemic, right, Julie? Yeah. yeah. At this um, point, it's entirely about two years or so. Um, yeah, I'm starting to think that we might be in a pandemic. Right. So there's a lot of virtual dating going on. Um, there's a lot of virtual times going on with your partners, maybe like new dates or something. Um, so there are ways that you can spice up sex during virtual times. So you could surprise your partner like just these are just going to be some like ideas or examples of like what to do if you're long distance with your partner or just like doing some quarantining um but yeah these are some things you could do virtually so uh you could surprise your partner or partners with a sex toy in the mail and use it together online or have them tell you about it so like you could either like facetime or zoom and like use the toy together Um, you could write some sexy letters or send some sexy Polaroids in the mail, do a little bit of like a little photo shoot. That reminds me of like when people would like go to war. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And then like, like soldiers would like get pictures of their wives, like 
on a stool with like lingerie or something. <laughs> um, obviously times are different, but if you want to do a historically accurate little uh, photo shoot, you could do that too. Um, you could do a video of yourself doing something sexy and share it with your partner. So basically it's just like, like sexting essentially is like all these different ideas of like how to do sexting or like, there's, there's no rules, just do it however you want. But these are just some ideas, um, like read an erotic book together, um, tell your partner or partners what you miss about their body or what you would like to do with them if you were in person. So again, just kind of like classic sexting type thing. Um, you could play a sexy board game together on zoom, which I have never tried. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know about that, but that sounds interesting. Um, and then the most important part of a healthy sexual relationship is communication and consent. So like, right. That's just kind of like the basis, but if you're doing that, like it's good to kind of, um, if you're going to be doing some like virtual sex or any sort of thing, like related to that, um, like the most important thing is kind of just like to make sure that both you and your partner are in like the right headspace for it and like willing to both be in it because that'll just be beneficial for both of you. Um, but yeah, do you have any insights, Julie? Do you have anything else you'd like to share? No, I think those are all really good suggestions or yeah. options. And these are some suggestions that it doesn't even have to apply to the pandemic. Like if you were yeah, exactly. someone, it was like long distance or yeah. I don't know where you don't get to see yeah. your partner as often. These are totally. really good ways of kind of enhancing that sexual relationship with your yeah. partners. No, exactly. I think those are all very interesting points. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the next question is how can I start a sexual relationship with my partner? Um, so even I guess if you were even new to a relationship during a pandemic or just start to date someone or get into an intimate relationship with another person, it might be hard to kind of initiate. And so the best way to start a sexual relationship with your partner or with someone is just to ask like what Grace was saying about don't forget the most important part of a healthy relationship is communication consent. It starts with asking. It's okay to ask. Try saying like, I would like to blank a certain activity with you. Um, How do you feel about that? This way, both you and your partner are both clear about your desire and what you're looking for. And part of asking and laying out like consent and all includes boundaries. Boundaries are so important, especially if you're trying to establish a relationship with another individual virtually, um, creating that boundary. What are you comfortable with? Just because someone is wanting something doesn't mean you want it as well. And that knowing yourself and staying true to your values and setting your own boundaries and not letting other people persuade and kind of forcing to something that you wouldn't want. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Um, totally. But yeah, it's like really important. Like again, um, boundaries are just as important virtually as they are in the real world or physically. Um, Those just because it's online doesn't mean like all those boundaries and consent are out the door. Like it's just as important to kind of talk to your partner about what you're feeling and how comfortable you are. Um, And also like virtual sex is like this whole other like landscape. Like it's not, it's not anywhere near as like, I mean, it could be similar, but it's like a whole new like thing. Um, 
as opposed to like, if you were physically like with someone in a room. Um, Mm -hmm. so it is like kind of like setting boundaries for yourself and just like kind of checking in with yourself too and your partner and like having that communication aspect is really important too. Um, yeah, I just, I, I wanted to like emphasize that cause I just want yeah. like, cause I feel like people might think like, oh, it's like virtual. It's like not as deep or something like that. And it's like, it's a very real like sexual encounter. It's not like mm-hmm. any different than if you were to be like physically in the room with someone. So yeah, that's really true. And thank you for emphasizing on that. Many have a hard time or difficult time distinguishing the, I guess, how being online and having that relationship isn't so different than being in person and that they're almost the same. It's just the way you communicate is different. But other than that, consent boundaries, everything is pretty much the same. And so it's really important for them to recognize that. Um, Totally. And also a big fear when it comes to kind of starting or initiating relationship is having these conversations. People are afraid of rejections. But remember that even if someone says no, that doesn't mean that you're any less worthy of intimacy um, or just pleasure. This particular situation is just not like the right fit. So it's okay to have these conversations and may be very uncomfortable and hard to initiate, but it's better to have it before then things get a little messy and yeah. it's just hard to understand and y'all are on different pages. And so, like I said, even if these conversations are uncomfortable, hard to have, it's good to have it. And during these conversations, there are opportunities to what we've been talking about, get consent, set up yeah. boundaries and kind of agree on what y'all want and I don't know what y'all are trying to get Mm -hmm. out of the relationship. Yeah. It also just makes the whole encounter so much more comfortable. If Mm -hmm. you like get out like the quote, like uncomfortable stuff in the beginning. Um, And like, I or just like kind of the um, not uncomfortable, but like the ground rules kind of like, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be wanting to think about like, Oh, I forgot to tell my partner this, like, and then just be in the middle of something. Like it just, I mean, always speak up no matter what, but it will like enhance the encounter, like mm-hmm. experience if you're kind of just laying everything out um, mm-hmm. in the beginning. Cause then it's like, you can really just like not have that worry ho- hovering over your head. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, now we're going to go into how often someone should get tested for STIs. So um, neither Julia or I are, doctors um but we are peer educators so let's go Julie (laughs) yeah um so it really just depends on the individual um so kind of just like um a baseline is like if you plan on having sex with new partners like you could get tested beforehand um or if you think you might have had a possible exposure like a broken condom with someone who doesn't know their status um you can also just get tested as a part of your regular checkups like it really just, um, depends on the individual and how often they're, um, engaging with different partners. Um, and then also like, obviously if you're having symptoms like pain, itching, or like changes in discharge or something, like obviously go and get tested. Cause that's like <laughs> a very obvious indicator that something's not right. But, um, yeah, like I was, I feel like just like a good rule of thumb is like if you're engaging in sex with a new partner beforehand or after. Um, and honestly, it's just like kind of goes into like preventative care. It's not like anything to be ashamed of or like 
worried that people are going to judge you for getting an STI screening. Like Mm -hmm. it's very normal and it's just like preventative care. It's just, it's like, as if you were getting, I don't know, like a, like a COVID test, like, it's just like preventative. Mm -hmm. Um, and also just looking out for yourself. So yeah. And you're not doing it for yourself, but you're also doing yeah. it for others. Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that it's part of preventative care, that's how fundamental it is, is because yeah. it can be an outbreak. It can spread easily as CDSTIs. Yeah. And so it's really important to get screened regularly, especially if you like what Grace was saying, if you're about to engage in a new sexual relationship with another individual, mm-hmm. it's good to protect yourself from possible exposure yeah. and also protecting your partner from yeah. possible exposure as well if you were to have it mm-hmm. um and speaking of sti and all um what are some steps we can take to make comprehensive sexual education the standard in um public elementary middle high school or even college um so according to 2019 this is stats from the cdc about between age 15 to 19, there's about 3,333 per 1,000 individuals and up to like 4,109 per 1,000 from age 20 and 24. So that's the age of like high school and college. Um, We can see that it peaks during that time. And the stats is applicable for females. Um, And it's pretty much the same. Like we can see a peak during that age. Um, for male as well. And so those numbers kind of allude to the fact that we kind of need to do better when it comes to education and kind of promoting safe sex, screening, and all these practices to avoid the transmission of SCDs and STIs. And so, yeah, yeah, those numbers really indicate and signify to the idea that it's really important to think about practicing safe sex or any Mm -hmm. of that when you're engaged in a new sexual relationship. Yeah. And I just feel like, I mean, the state of sex ed in America is obviously not ideal. Like sex is so taboo and there's still states that are like abstinence only sex education. And that just completely takes away from the fact that like people are going to have sex, whether you tell them to or not. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I, I mean, I went to public school in Oregon and I was lucky enough to get like a very comprehensive and like open-minded health teacher when I was in high school and middle school. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I got a lot out of like my sex ed, um, and came out of it like with tools rather than like fear around sex. Um, Mm -hmm. cause I was like, okay, like I know all the different birth control types. Like I know like how to have a healthy communication regarding consent and stuff like that. But that's like so uncommon for people. And then they like get to an age where they're like ready to have sex and they just like, don't know what the fuck is happening. Like, it's like, there's no tools given to younger people. Um, and yeah, it's just like, like you brought up that you use it as a tool and that it didn't scare you instead, which I think is a great way. Like bringing out my tool belt. I'm like, okay. And that's what education is supposed to be, right? You're yeah. supposed to use it as a tool. And I think it's probably the way like cur- the curriculum and the way that this information is being taught and being catered yeah. to students. Um, I feel like in a way not to standardize all of them, because I guess mm-hmm. it depends on the age group and the population, the student totally. body that you're teaching, but in a way it should be as a tool. I had 
sex ed in mm-hmm. middle school and high school. And I will tell you, I too as well use it as a tool and it didn't yeah. scare me. So mm-hmm. there's no fear in sex education. It's good for you. Yeah. And also just like, I don't know, it in a way, like because if sex is talked about in just like a normal and neutral way, like that's so much more helpful than like like the two opposite ends of being like, don't get like don't never ever have sex because then you'll get pregnant and die like that type of thing like (laughs) don't do that versus like oh yeah like just go and have sex like there needs to be a healthy like balance and medium to like empower people Mm -hmm. to make the choices that make them comfortable Mm -hmm. um and I just think that like sex is so taboo especially with like younger people in America Mm -hmm. because everyone's like you should get married and when you're like 30 years old and have sex or like something like that like I don't know like I just feel like and then people just kind of go into sex blindly like and then that, abstinence. Yeah, exactly. And then they go into it blindly. And then it's just like, that is obviously like, because there's already so much shame around having sex in the first place. How do you think mm-hmm. someone's going to feel if they get exposed to an STI and they have to go get screened? Mm-hmm. Like there's already so much shame attached to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just feel like, yeah, it's just so important to have the correct education and like comprehensive sex ed Mm -hmm. and especially like at the elementary level um like I think oh my gosh I don't want to like misquote but it's like some country in Europe like maybe like Denmark or something Mm -hmm. um and they start teaching like sex ed in kindergarten but it's not like we're going to talk about sex. It's like, you should ask your friend if you can hug them. So it's like kind of like the basis layers of consent Mm -hmm. happening at a young age. And then all like connects as they get older, because it's like, that's just kind of emphasizing the importance of asking and boundaries and stuff at a young age, um, which I think is really cool Mm -hmm. because people can, you can get to high school and then learn about consent, but like it's not like an integrated thing into American society, I feel like, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah, that's my ramble on the <laughs> public school system. Um, but yeah, speaking of sexual health and just like talking and about it and I guess breaking the stigma, um, Shaq does offer sexual health services, including wellness exams, pap smears, birth control prescription, hormone prescription, and referrals to any other services you may need. And they also do STI screenings. So Shaq is like a fully functional wellness office for your sexual health needs. Um, and then if they don't have something that you need, they will happily refer you outside of Shaq. But I feel like Shaq has a really comprehensive like sex wellness clinic. Like that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah. And bridging that to our next question, which is what sexual health services does Shaq have for the LGBTQ plus folks here at Shaq? Um, so Shaq is currently offering sexual wellness exams, STI tests, gender-affirming hormone therapy, and referrals and letters of support for gender-affirming surgery, uh, birth control options across the gender spectrum, and PEP and PrEP prescriptions, and rapid HIV testing, safer sex supplies, and ways to improve your sexual health practices. So basically, like what um, Grace was saying, Shaq is fully functional when it comes to um, sexual health services and especially for the LGBTQ plus community and mm-hmm. how like all the stigma around them that they yeah. experience. So Shaq tried its best to kind of provide all these services and be able to 
I guess, achieve its best when it comes to providing yeah. services for and, that group of folks. Yeah. And like having um, just such a, like a wide scale um, sexual wellness clinic is in and of itself really great, but it's also like, I feel like what Shaq does well is like, they acknowledge that sexual health looks different for queer people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, what, like what you're saying, Julie, it's just like, it's really important to not only emphasize just sexual wellness, but also like sexual wellness within the queer community is also like extremely important because there's already so many other stigmas and barriers attached to queerness in and of itself. Um, so when you add sex into the mix, it's just like a whole nother beast in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's really, I I just think it's like really awesome that Shaq like acknowledges it and, um, is like willing to work with students because like, I know that there's probably tons of other hospitals in, the United States that would turn away someone or oh, just yeah. like it would just be way harder for someone um to find that help that they need um and at the end of the day like it's literally just health like that's the thing is like sexual wellness is just like regular old health you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it's just part of life and it's just part of taking care of your body and doing what's best for you um and whether that is abstinence or being on birth control or getting regularly STI testing, like it looks different for everyone. Um, and everyone goes through life differently with different sexual experiences, but it also like, it's important to acknowledge that everyone is going through something different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And if you want to learn more or, um, have any questions or you just want mm-hmm. to use Shack services, feel free to call their number at 503-725-2800. We'll also have, um, links to Shack linked in our description and the phone number and other contacts. If you want to reach out to Shack for any kind of support or questions, um, so now moving on to a very interesting, well, I guess fun question <laughs> I'd say is how does one become more confident when it comes to sex? So yes, learning to confidence not- in sex. Yes, Let's go. go. <laughs> um, learning to not take yourself too seriously. Um, it can be hard to get yourself into the moment and not fixate on what you're doing wrong. So I guess it's just overthinking it I'd say yeah. way um when it comes to it and just kind of go with the flow know your limits mm-hmm. um and know that you're worthy and that this is your moment <laughs> <laughs> this is your shining moment <laughs> yeah shining moment so don't overthink it don't take it too seriously yeah. and if you're nervous your partner mm-hmm. is probably the same way they're probably yeah. nervous as you are so do not yeah. be afraid and know that you're in here, you're bringing your best and do not overthink it. Mm-hmm. And once again, communication between you and partner is always the first step. Tell them exactly. what makes you comfortable, what makes you confident, what you're good at and let them know areas of improvement, areas mm-hmm. that you're not good of, or you're new to. Um, they have to be understanding if they're not, then that's another conversation to have. That's mm-hmm. why communication is key. It allows you to kind of figure out kind of your place in this relationship. Yeah. And I was going to say that too, like building confidence is like, you can do that for yourself by like addressing and setting boundaries beforehand or just like during, and like, it is so, it is so hard to speak up during sex sometimes. Oh yeah. Like, if you're just, and it's like so much easier to be like, okay, like 
this is the beginning. This is, this is how I feel. This is the comfort level. And like, just being able to keep that in your mind with you and your partner during sex is like a lot. Um, I personally think it's like a lot better just because it's like, I don't know. It's, um, the sort of thing where it can be hard to speak up in the moment or it can just happen really quickly, like with something you're not comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, if I'm like, I know that if I'm having my boundaries set beforehand, it's going to make my confidence level so much higher because I've already had the tough conversation with someone or like the conversation is not happening during sex because it's just like, it's already laid out. Um, so I think that's really important. And just like emphasizing communication as well, um, with whatever partners you're with. So, yeah. Yeah, And having that conversation, it kind of allows you to build that trust and like totally trust with your partner and that you understand each other's limit and all it helps create that trust and strengthen your relationship, you know, um, and enhance that sexual relationship, or it's just a normal relationship with your partners. I think it's a great way for you to kind of grow from it. Totally. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to just do one more question and it's, um, how do I navigate a discussion with my partner about boundaries, both regular and sexual, when they have had a history of getting defensive or taking it as a personal attack on themselves? So I like this question. I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't like like it in the way where I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Um, but I do think it is like important because everyone's going to interpret everything differently, um, especially when it comes to sex, like it's hard not to take things personally when someone is telling you what they don't like or something that you did. Um, so I would say just like taking a moment to recognize and like try to acknowledge why your partner is getting defensive in these moments. Like maybe the topic is especially hard for them or kind of just like, um, putting yourself in their shoes and seeing it from their perspective will help with understanding and instead of saying stuff like when you do this say like when I do this slash when this happens to me because that way it kind of I don't know I I feel like that just kind of frames it in a way that's like not as heavy with blame um Mm -hmm. would you agree Julie like yeah I would definitely agree so it's like seeing that kind of I don't know, changes the position. It doesn't sound as condescending, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like when you, it's like, like you said, in a form, like you're blaming your partner, whereas mm-hmm. you just say it comes from a lived experience and what you're yeah. feeling. And so they can't say anything because that's you, your experience, your yeah. feeling. And whereas if you were to say you, then they'll be like, well, what if I didn't mm-hmm. feel that way, you know? Yeah. It's always like, <laughs> it always comes back to like the I messages, you know, like in middle <laughs> school where it's like, when you, I feel, I want you to, or like, what was it? It's like, <laughs> I've, I don't know. I'm always using those I messages though. Um, but yeah. And then also just like come at it with the open and empathetic mindset. Like, of course it's already hard enough to bring up the conversation itself when you are feeling like, Oh, like, I don't want to get my partner to be in that defensive mode. Um, but just kind of like coming at it maybe afterwards, like a little bit afterwards. Um, just so it's like not as fresh, I guess. Um, but yeah, just having that open mindset while also asserting yourself and expressing your feelings is also really important. Um, kind of like standing your ground, but just, um, like not, um, or just like acknowledging, I guess that 
their partner might have something different to say. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also just like come up, coming up with compromises or ways to meet each other in the middle. Um, Again, this whole theme of the podcast episode is about communication. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, like having a tough conversation is really intimidating at first, but afterwards it feels like a weight off your chest most of the time, um, which is awesome. And um, at the end of the day, like relationships and sex are really difficult to navigate, but it, that does not mean that it's not worth trying at all. Um, it just means that you're going to have to put in some work and I guess, um, if it doesn't work out, then that's fine. But you know, it's like, (laughs) I don't know. I'm trying to like get my words together right now, but, uh, it just there it's really hard to navigate a relationship as well as like a sexual relationship and um coming at it from an open mindset is really important because if you're if you and your partner are both having that closed mindset then you're not going to be able to meet in the middle or have a balanced conversation that's a really good phrase or yeah <laughs> you just said like yeah if you're not going to be open y'all cannot meet in the middle and that's the where we all strive to be is in the middle. Mm-hmm. Everyone agree to certain boundaries, certain limits, yeah. and the trust that you've developed in yeah, the middle. Exactly. And, um, it's really good to be able to communicate to get to that point. Yeah. So yeah, we're all looking forward to seeing y'all there. Um, and again, it's Wednesday, February 9th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. There's lots of prizes. There's lots of fun topics discussed and all the questions are anonymous. So ask away to your heart's content. Um, and you can register if you look up sex and chocolate Portland state, and then it'll take you to the sex and chocolate webpage. And there's a little underlined green link that says register here. Um, but yeah, we're all looking forward to seeing y'all and we hope you have a great rest of your day and yeah. Thank you, Grace. Yeah, Thank you thanks, for Julie. leading us and telling us about this event. And yes, we are looking forward to seeing all y'all there at the event. So thank you. Yeah, thanks. Bye. All right. Bye, Grace. Bye, Julie. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the What's Up podcast. We'll catch up with you next week. We at Shack are fully committed to the physical and emotional health and wellness of PSU students. Please call ahead to use our health services for flu shots, free COVID testing, or general appointments at 503-725-2800. Counseling services are still available via telehealth, and you can schedule your appointments by calling that same number at 503-725-2800. If you're looking for more health and wellness resources, you can check out our online health magazine that gets sent to your pdx.edu email every Wednesday, or you can download the CampusWell app. Also, feel free to check out the virtual MindSpa experience to rest, relax, and rejuvenate wherever you have internet access. We will be including resources links in the episode description as well as a link to the episode transcript. If you have any questions about health, wellness, shack, or anything we discussed in this podcast, please fill out the Google form in the episode description. Thanks for listening and take care. We'll see you next week on What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor.